Chapter 2, Part 2 of The Hope of the Gospel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jordan. The Hope of the Gospel by George MacDonald. Chapter 2, The Remission of Sins. Part 2. We shall now, perhaps, be able to understand the relation of the Lord himself to the baptism of John. He came to John to be baptized, and most would say John's baptism was of repentance for the remission or pardon of sins. But the Lord could not be baptized for the remission of sins, for he had never done a selfish, an untrue, or an unfair thing. He had never wronged his father any more than ever his father had wronged him. Happy, happy son and father who had never either done the other wrong in thought, word, or deed. As little had he wronged brother or sister. He needed no forgiveness. There was nothing to forgive. No more could he be baptized for repentance. In him repentance would have been to turn to evil. Where, then, was the propriety of his coming to be baptized by John, and insisting on being by him baptized? It must lie elsewhere. If we take the words of John to mean the baptism of repentance unto the sending away of sins, and if we bear in mind that in his case repentance could not be, inasmuch as what repentance is necessary to bring about in man was already existent in Jesus, then altering the words to fit the case and saying the baptism of willed devotion to the sending away of sin we shall see at once how the baptism of Jesus was a thing right and fit. That he had no sin to repent of was not because he was so constituted that he could not sin if he would. It was because of his own will and judgment he sent sin away from him, sent it from him with the full choice and energy of his nature. God knows good and evil, and, blessed be his name, chooses good, Never will his righteous anger make him unfair to us, make him forget that we are dust. Like him, his son also chose good, and in that choice resisted all temptation to help his fellows otherwise than as their and his father would. Instead of crushing the power of evil by divine force, instead of compelling justice and destroying the wicked, instead of making peace on the earth by the rule of a perfect prince, instead of gathering the children of Jerusalem under his wings whether they would or not, and saving them from the horrors that anguished his prophetic soul, he let evil work its will while it lived. He contented himself with the slow, unencouraging ways of help essential, making men good, casting out, not merely controlling Satan, carrying to their perfect issue on earth the old primeval principles because of which the Father honoured him. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. To love righteousness is to make it grow, not to avenge it. And to win for righteousness the true victory, he, as well as his brethren, had to send away evil. Throughout his life on earth, he resisted every impulse to work more rapidly for a lower good, 
strong perhaps when he saw old age and innocence and righteousness trodden underfoot. What but this gives any worth of reality to the temptation in the wilderness, to the devil's departing from him for a season, to his coming again to experience a like failure? Ever and ever, in the whole attitude of his being, in his heart, always lifted up, in his unfailing readiness to pull with the Father's yoke, he was repelling, driving away sin, away from himself, and, as Lord of men and their Saviour, away from others also, bringing them to abjure it like himself. No man, least of all any Lord of men, can be good without willing to be good, without setting himself against evil, without sending away sin. Other men have descended away out of them, the Lord had descended away from before him, that it should not enter into him. Therefore is the stand against sin common to the captain of salvation and the soldiers under him. What did Jesus come into the world to do? The will of God in saving his people from their sins, not from the punishment of their sins, that blessed aid to repentance, but from their sins themselves, the paltry as well as the heinous the venial as well as the loathsome. His whole work was, and is, to send away sin, to banish it from the earth, yea, to cast it into the abyss of non-existence, behind the back of God. His was the holy war. He came carrying it into our world. He resisted unto blood. The soldiers that followed him he taught and trained to resist also unto blood, striving against sin. So he became the captain of their salvation, and they, freed themselves, fought and suffered for others. This was the task to which he was baptized. This is yet his enduring labor. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many unto the sending away of sins. What was the new covenant? I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which they break, but this, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. John baptized unto repentance because those to whom he was sent had to repent. They must bethink themselves, and send away the sin that was in them. But had there been a man, aware of no sin in him, but aware that life would be no life, were not sin kept out of him, that man would have been right in receiving the baptism of John, unto the continuous dismission of the sin, ever wanting to enter in at his door. The object of the baptism was the sending away of sin, its object was repentance only where necessary to, only as introducing, as resulting in that. He to whom John was not sent, he whom he did not call, he who needed no repentance, was baptized for the same object, to the same conflict, for the same end, the banishment of sin from the dominions of his father, and that first by his own sternest repudiation of it in himself. Thence came his victory in the wilderness. He would have his father's way, 
not his own? Could he be less fitted to receive the baptism of John, that the object of it was no new thing to him, who had been about it from the beginning, yea, from all eternity? We shall be about it, I presume, to all eternity. Such, then, as were baptized by John, were initiated into the company of those whose work was to send sin out of the world, and first, by sending it out of themselves, by having done with it. Their earliest endeavour in this direction would, as I have said, open the door for that help to enter without which a man could never succeed in the divinely arduous task. Could not, because the region in which the work has to be wrought lies in the very roots of his own being, where, knowing nothing of the secrets of his essential existence, he can immediately do nothing, where the maker of him alone is potent, alone is consciously present. The change that must pass in him more than equals a new creation, inasmuch as it is a higher creation, but its necessity is involved in the former creation, and thence we have a right to ask help of our Creator, for he requires of us what he has created us unable to effect without him. Nay, nay, could we do anything without him, it were a thing to leave undone. Blessed fact that he hath made us so near him, that the scale of our being is so large, that we are completed only by his presence in it, that we are not men without him, that we can be one with our self-existent creator, that we are not cut off from the original infinite, that in him we must share infinitude, or be enslaved by the finite. The very patent of our royalty is, that not for a moment can we live our true life without the eternal life present in and with our spirits. Without him at our unknown root, we cease to be. True, a dog cannot live without the presence of God, but I presume a dog may live a good dog life without knowing the presence of his origin. Man is dead if he know not the power which is his cause, his deepest selfing self, the presence which is not himself and is nearer to him than himself, which is infinitely more himself, more his very being, than he is himself. The being of which we are conscious is not our full self, the extent of our consciousness of ourself is no measure of ourself. Our consciousness is infinitely less than we, while God is more necessary even to that poor consciousness of self than our self-consciousness is necessary to our humanity. Until a man become the power of his own existence, become his own God, the sole thing necessary to his existing is the will of God, for the well-being and perfecting of that existence, the sole thing necessary is that the man should know his Maker present in him. All that the children want is their Father. The one true end of all speech concerning holy things is the persuading of the individual man to cease to do evil, to set himself to do well, to look to the Lord of his life, to be on his side in the new struggle. Supposing the suggestions I have made correct, 
I do not care that my reader should understand them, except it be to turn against the evil in him, and begin to cast it out. If this be not the result, it is of no smallest consequence whether he agree with my interpretation or not. If he do thus repent, it is of equally little consequence, for, setting himself to do the truth, he is on the way to know all things. Real knowledge has begun to grow possible for him. I am not sure what the Lord means in the words, Thus it becometh us to fulfil all righteousness. Baptism could not be the fulfilling of all righteousness. Perhaps he means, We must, by a full act of the will, give ourselves altogether to righteousness. We must make it the business of our lives to send away sin and do the will of the Father. That is my work, as much as the work of any man who must repent, ere he can begin. I will not be left out when you call men to be pure, as our Father is pure. To be certain whom he intends by us might perhaps help us to see his meaning. Does he intend all of us men? Does he intend my Father and me? Or does he intend you and me, John? If the saying mean what I have suggested, then the us would apply to all that have the knowledge of good and evil. Every being that can must devote himself to righteousness. To be right is no adjunct of completeness. It is the ground and foundation of existence. But perhaps it was a lesson for John himself, who, mighty preacher of righteousness as he was, did not yet count it the all of life. I cannot tell. Note that when the Lord began his teaching, he employed, neither using nor inculcating any right, the same words as John. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That kingdom had been at hand all his infancy, boyhood, and young manhood. He was in the world with his father in his heart. That was the kingdom of heaven. Lonely man on the hillside, or boy, the signature of Dr. Eyes, his father was everything to him. Wist ye not that I must be in my father's things? End of chapter 2, part 2